Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Benny, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What are you doing? Who do you work for? Okay, so I'm Benny. I'm uh, in my 50s. The the main thing it says that uh, I've been around seeing things that are not relevant in today's world, but also many things that are surprisingly shocking are very, very relevant even today. Wow. Uh, so I'm married, I have uh, three kids. One of them is kind of uh, following my footsteps in, in terms of uh, getting into uh, this domain. Looks like he's going to be much, much better than I am. Which is, <laughs> nice. From my perspective, this is like a huge success from my side. So started my journey as a, a software developer in, in the army. Actually, even before that, I started to uh, to practice and, and play games with, with Commodore and Atari and all the Sinclair Spectrum and, and computers with uh, 16K memory, something that today people have no idea what 16K, what do you mean 16K, what you can do with 60K. Started to, to play with that, uh, continued uh, in high school and then went to the army after uh, graduating from uh, university and uh, spent uh, eight years in, in different position in uh, one of the technology companies of, of the army. Later on, went to the kind of civil world and uh, started my kind of journey between uh, different startups and corporates and seen a wide variety of, of companies, how they work, what they're doing. And it was very clear for me that uh, the thing that is most interesting from, from my perspective is uh, startups, mainly because of the dynamic, uh, the feeling that Nothing is kind of certain and you need to be always on the edge uh, in terms of understanding how you can be, how you can be better than the competition, how you can uh, innovate faster, how you can move in a different way uh, compared to everyone else just to make an impact that big companies can do, but for unknown reason, they are not doing it. Yes. Uh, so my passion is, is uh, working with, with uh, startup companies. I've been multiple rounds, startup to corporate and back to startups. Wow. This is where my kind of soul is. This is the most, I think, interesting thing that we have in, in the industry. And today I'm working at uh, Winward, uh, managing the R&D uh, for Winward, which is an amazing company, amazing product, amazing people. So this is like, uh, from my perspective, this is like the, the full package. Amazing people, product that is doing great, very uh, uh, sophisticated technology. So it's combining everything together and, and providing uh, a lot of challenges on a daily basis, which makes my life very not boring. That sounds good. Sounds like you've landed on the sweet spot. Exactly. Absolutely. And you mentioned the company that you're working for at the moment. What's the problem that it's solving, Winwood? What problem is it solving in the market? So Winwood started like uh, 12 years ago. Our two founders are ex-Navy uh, officers in the Israeli uh, Navy. And when they came out from the army, they said, 
it doesn't make sense that no one actually knows what's happening in in the in the kind of uh, deep sea and uh, we need to fix that and since they're coming from from uh, the navy they started with uh, uh, thinking on on security and stuff like that and we started to expose they started to expose insights on uh, security related border security and stuff like that uh, around what's going to happen and as we evolved and we gained more understanding about what exists and, and mostly what's not there and how we can utilize the data that we gather, the understanding on the behavior of vessels and so on, uh, we got to the point that we get into more and more parts of this huge ecosystem of maritime. And eventually, if you think about cargo in, in the world, like 90 plus percent of the cargo in the world is going through the ocean. If you think about uh, the amount of, uh, of uh, trade finance going through the ocean, most of the planet is actually oceans and so on. So this is like a very core part of, of what we are doing. And uh, everything relates to what's actually happening in the real world is affecting us in this way or that way. If there is a kind of, I don't know if you heard about, there was kind of a pandemic uh, a couple of years ago, a <laughs> uh, small one, minor changes in effect on, on the world. This changed dramatically how things happening in terms of uh, vessels going from different places, mm. uh, port congestion and stuff like that. And that reflected immediately on what we are doing, how we are doing, how we are looking at the data and so on. Same go now when, when we have the war in Ukraine, this is affecting in a very significant way uh, trading across the, the globe different sanctions and so on. So everything that appears in the news or a lot of the things that appears in the news eventually roll back and affect what we are doing and how we are doing and providing solutions, new solutions uh, for our customers. Mm -hmm. uh, think about climate issue that we have. We're talking about that for many years. Eventually now they're starting to put fines on, on companies that are not going to improve their uh, carbon emissions and stuff like that. Mm. So we are very active in that aspect to provide tools for companies to improve their way to, to be better in terms of uh, uh, CO2 emissions and stuff like that. So there is no uh, kind of major thing happening in the real time, in the real world that is not affecting us in this way or another. Yeah. So it's, it's really a very dynamic environment that provides a real solution for real world problems. Sounds like a lot of data, a lot of information being kind of funneled and uh, and processed. Absolutely. We have, so if you think about uh, kind of a, a very small deep dive into the, the technology, we have huge amount of data coming from different sources. Very, uh, it's not about only the amount of data, but also the amount of data sources. Mm. Uh, each one of them behave in a very different way. A lot of complexity and, and noise in the data itself, it's not very clear what you need to do in order to fix the data. We see many times customers saying and say, oh, why do we need to pay you uh, so much money? Or why do we need to pay you? We can buy the same data as you buy and we can build it. And I'm saying, yeah, you can do it. Take 10 years, something like 150 uh, many years to develop and you will have a solution. You're completely right. I think that the, the complexity behind the data connecting many 
and data sources coming from very different uh, uh, domains, being able to match them one another, being able to provide insights and, and uh, additional value, not just here is the raw data, but here is the raw data after being cleaned and modeled and connected to other aspects yes. and provide a very holistic way of looking in, at the world. This is like a huge problem that we need to solve. Wow. So there is a lot of effort around how we're going to do that uh, and uh, a lot of investment from our side on creating a very robust and, and stable and sophisticated uh, data pipeline that will be able to do the whole journey from getting raw data, very noisy one, mm. all the way to having uh, very precise and, and uh, high quality data that we can provide to our customers. On the other side, uh, you have... How are you going to utilize the system? So we are not selling only or offering only a UI that the user can can uh, use. Yeah, we have that a very sophisticated one that you can do tons of things. But in many cases, uh, depending on the on the kind of customer, like for example, you can think about uh, some government agency that are using uh, classified systems, and they still want to get our insights but they want to have our insights inside their system. So in that case, they are not going to use our UI. They need something else. Uh, so we provide an API, very robust API, that allows anyone to integrate uh, with our system and almost build the same UI that we have on top of our API, because this is the same API. Our UI is built on the API that we expose to our users. So they can integrate our insight into their system and provide it on the classified side, for example. Mm -hmm. Another way is you might want to be alerted on, on specific things. So you don't want to sit on, on, on a UI and look for something and you don't want to pull all the information and, and, uh, and try to figure out what's going on. You want to be alerted when something is happening. So we provide another mechanism that uh, allows uh, someone to register for specific events and when that event is happening, he's going to be notified uh, in a push mechanism. So this is also another way. So we keep iterating on uh, what is the best way to provide uh, the value to our users, uh, whether this is integration with third party or getting the data or using the, the UI or even embedding the UI within their systems. Yes. Uh, so this is like the, the second part. So we started from the platform side around the data and so on, all the way to how we expose it. And in the middle, we have a kind of the secret sauce, which is all the models and algorithms that we have. And we have dozens of uh, different algorithms on different aspects. Some of them are kind of uh, patent and, and some of them are uh, more sophisticated and some of them are less. But in kind of uh, when thinking about that, each such component is another ingredient in this uh, whole ecosystem on how you provide something that is very sophisticated to customers that can evolve in a very uh, dynamic way. So every algorithm we, we treat as like a building block within our system. And one algorithm can use other algorithms as input and so on and so forth. So every new addition that we have in the system is actually making the rest of the system better. And we can utilize that in order to get to the next level and the next level and so on and so forth. So that's kind of uh, the two ends and the secret sauce in the middle that we provide to our customers.
Fantastic. Sounds great. I imagine there's lots of varied use cases of your customers and how they do that. I just want to touch on one thing. I love the fact you mentioned APIs because I'm a big fan of APIs. I just love the world that opens up. If you can integrate with another another thing, what emerges from that? If you've got a number of different platforms and different sources of various bits of information, that API allows you to create innovation on top of innovation, I guess. Mm-hmm. When Until something like a few years ago, we, we had a very uh, kind of traditional API. Uh, it was REST-based. And uh, uh, whenever there was uh, specific use cases, we exposed another endpoint that uh, users can use uh, to serve uh, what they need. That was our external API. On the internal side, we use GraphQL as the main API that we use in order to build the, the UI. Hmm. And at some point we got to the understanding that why are we keeping like two flavors of API, one external and one internal? Uh, why don't we take the internal one and actually expose it as the external one and first reduce the amount of uh, code that we need to maintain, but more than that, uh, provide a much, much more flexible way to utilize our system. So if you think about REST API, this is a very well-defined uh, endpoint that you have specific parameters that you put in input and very specific uh, output that you get as a response and so on. Mm. When thinking about GraphQL, it's, yeah, you still have the endpoint, but it's much more powerful in terms of, as a user, I can define what exactly I want. I can kind of browse on the data model I can decide what is it that I want to get back. I don't need to get the whole package if I only need one, one property. So once we started to expose the, the GraphQL as, as an external, then you're starting to see people are utilizing the, the API in a way that you thought, hmm, I didn't thought about this one. Hmm. And I think there was a, when Amazon exposed their kind of API outside, And they thought, oh, people are going to uh, uh, build the same UI as we are doing, uh, but they're just going to do it on their side. They started to see that people are using the API in a ways they never thought of. And that kind of led to the, uh, to the beginning of building AWS as a solution. So I think that once you give tools for your users and guidelines on how they can use it and how they can benefit from that, then you will be able to see many, many more use cases that are being implemented on top of that uh, compared to what you would have done or the capacity that you had. Actually, I saw today uh, someone, a partner of us, that built a, a solution using uh, GPT, ChatGPT, on wow. top of our, of our API nice. using that, which is like, we want to do it, but we didn't have the time to do it. And he did it because our API exposed him the ability to do things that he can so he did it wow uh, so i think this is like one of the benefits of uh, providing a very powerful api that expose you everything and not limiting you for very specific and and uh, uh, limited uh, use cases so yeah i'm 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 a big fan of of apis and uh, i think this is like there are all kind of trends so at some point uh, people said uh, okay mobile first because uh, everything was using mobile. So let's build the application that is going to be available on mobile first. Mm-hmm. So API first, I think, is, is something that is also 
something that is running outside for a long time and mm -hmm. i think it makes a lot of a lot of sense and and providing a lot of capabilities to the to the customers to, to use it and expose it in in ways that you didn't think about yeah absolutely it sounds like you and me need to get some t-shirts printed off with we love apis now i think we're part of the uh, api fan club so coming now and shining a light on you benny i want to ask some questions around your leadership what's your passion what's the thing that really makes you jump out of bed in the morning so when when i started to talk about uh, why i like winboard I, i think this is it so this is like uh, the combination of people technology and product i i don't want to get to 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 a position that i need to fight with people and and to spend time on explaining why things uh, we should care about and and so on i want to be able to work with people that share the same mindset of let's do good do good in terms of the product that we develop in terms of uh, the way we're doing things and so on a, a sense of of teamwork that we are here to build something together uh, so this is like by far the most uh, significant part from from my side then you have uh, like a product that you want to get to the point that uh, you feel that you're doing you're adding incremental value to the world this is like very kind of a zen thing but But eventually, I do believe that we need to leave something behind us that we are proud of. Yes. I want to be able to go and, and be proud and tell my wife and my kids, this is what we have done. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say, wow, this is like very cool in terms of not cool as this is very complex. This is cool in terms of you're providing, you're adding good to the world. Yes. And the third one is eventually this is like my kind of, professional hat uh, I'm a technology guy so I want to be in in an environment or in a product that creates challenges that are going to kind of uh, create more need to to think and hard problem to solve back in the days when I only started and was a developer I, I said that uh, out of the 90% of the time you're spending coding, You have like 10% of the time that you are trying to figure out how you're going to solve the problem, which is like extremely interesting. And I, I really loved it. It's like uh, solving a puzzle or a riddle. Mm, that's right. But once you get to, okay, I know how to do it. Then it's like, okay, let's do the implementation. It's like coding. It's nice, but it's not like the, the holy grail. The holy mm. grail is, is the 10% part, part of how I'm going to solve this problem. So in, in our case, in Wimond, there is a lot of riddles that we need to solve, whether this is related to, to scale or the nature of the data or hard complex issues like how do we know that a specific vessel is going to, to, to smuggle drugs from one place to another place? Mm. It's not easy. It's not like they're having a sign or submitting, yeah, we're smuggling now, we're smuggling now. No. So it, it's something that you need to understand and, and learn how you can figure this out. So if I'm kind of some people, amazing, mm. great product and hard technical problem to solve, all of them exist in, in Winworld. And this is what's make me kind of happy. So 
as long as this is my feeling, I know that I'm in the right place. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you for sharing your passions there. So now I'm going to look at the other side of the coin. What's the thing that keeps you up at night? It's, it's almost the same. When you think about people, one of my kind of uh, tips for, for people or because we have the privilege to decide where is it that we want to, to walk. And a lot of the time we are actually spending around walk. We have the privilege to, to choose a place that we feel happy. And if you don't feel happy, don't be there. One of my, uh, uh, if, if kind of going one by one, one of the things that is, is part of my duty is to make sure that the whole team is, is happy. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to make everyone happy at any given time. And in some of the cases, I don't have any way to help them be happy. But in that case, I think it's my responsibility to provide them the understanding that this is not something that is all solvable here. And if this is like something very critical and it's like in the core of their happiness, maybe this is not the place for them. Uh, and so people's happiness and uh, in the most wider way possible thinking is something that uh, I invest a lot of time in. That's one. Thinking about the product at any given time, in, in, I think in, in most of the companies I worked in, in the past, at any given time, you have more things you want to do compared to what you can. That's by definition. Otherwise, you're kind of a dying business. But in, in most of the places or in many of the places, there is a very well-defined uh, kind of a separation between I want to do it, but it's not a must. So you're focusing on a must and you're doing some of the I want to do it. And there are many other things that you want to do, but you're not doing. In our case, the list of the must is is too big. And uh, uh, I'm unable to do all the things that we must do. So I'm all the time trying to figure out how we can push more must into what we are actually doing. And the way to do it is how we can optimize the way we are working, how we can, how we identify what is the root cause of we are unable to move as fast as we want or how we can move faster compared to what we are actually doing. And this could be the right people or the right skills or the right architecture or the right priorities or the way that you are actually doing things. So mm-hmm. this is something that I spend a lot of time in thinking how we can change things. And if we're going to continue doing the same thing uh, again, 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 obviously nothing is going to change. So you need to be able to say, okay, we made a mistake. Let's figure out a different way. It might not work as well, but at least we are not going to continue doing the same thing again. again. Hopefully something will, will change. So this is like the second aspect. And the third aspect, which is around technology, we have a very complex system. In some of the cases, the system is complex because you just build it too complex and there is no real need for that. Some of the cases, uh, it is complex because this is a complex problem to solve. So we are kind of in between. We have problems that are complex and the solution is not going to be simple. It's going to be a complex solution. But we also have uh, a lot of things that are complex because of different assumptions that were correct 10 years ago but changed in the last uh, 10 years. 
whether this is because new technology is, is available now that wasn't available 10 years ago, or some of the assumptions around the business were changing. And uh, as a result of that, all kind of uh, constraints that were relevant 10 years ago are not relevant today. So there is an opportunity to make the solution simpler. So another thing that I'm kind of thinking about all the time is how we can modernize in a way our infrastructure, how we can utilize uh, different approaches on uh, instead of doing this way, let's do it that way. And as a result of that, things will become uh, simpler. How we can revalidate our assumptions, whether something kind of uh, in many cases and previous companies that I worked in, and, and this is something that is very common in all places. Uh, something you, you ask someone why you're doing it this way, and the answer is because this is the way we do it. And this is not a good answer, especially if, if this is like the 10th time someone is saying that and, and you had no idea why the first person actually selected that solution. So in many aspects, I think that one of my roles is to kind of uh, try to fight this statement and say, I don't care that we did it this way. I want to understand why we are doing it. And because we are doing it this way is not an answer. So it's kind of on all three uh, aspects, how we can push the, the business and how we can provide the most significant value that can move the needle for, for the business side. Eventually, we are not going and selling uh, the product. Uh, mm -hmm. We are only, only creating it. So we need to be able to provide the best tools possible for our salespeople and for our customer support and so on to make our customers happy and provide the best solution ever possible. And we should do it in the in a pace that we leave the competition behind us and in a most uh, innovative innovative way possible to be ahead of anyone else so this is something that we keep thinking about and and again this is not only my job uh, one of the things that i'm kind of preaching to is that every single person in the r&d uh, should think this way if they're getting a task and they think that uh, okay this task is going to take uh, three months three months is a lot of time, I would expect them to say, okay, there is, I got this spec and it's supposed to take three months. But when drilling down, I saw that there is a very specific requirement that that requirement is going to cost us two months. Beside that, everything else can end up in one month. Is it something that we really want to invest two months on this spec, on this requirement? In most cases, uh, the product guy, for example, wouldn't know that that specific requirement is the one that's creating this uh, huge amount of effort. And they can say, ah, no problem. Uh, I can, let's, let's kill it. So th this, is, this is something that I think uh, I want every single person in the organization to think this way and, and to act like this is their company. And this is something that they need to think about everything. When thinking about uh, a tech product, Usually it's starting from uh, someone with technical skills. Not all time, but in most of the times. And when you have a company, a startup company that started from a single developer, he can do everything. So from my perspective, and it, it's, it might be, or it might sound like, uh, oh, R&D, what's the, what's the deal? Uh, you're not the only one that's important in the organization. Yeah, right. But I think the mindset is, is, uh, is a key because I want a developer to think about all aspects. 
And if we have product uh, people, then we're going to have better specs and better understanding compared to a developer that is going to prepare the, the, the spec. If we're going to have salespeople, uh, we're going to have a better sales process. And uh, this is a skill that a developer might not know, but I want him to think like a salesperson, like a product manager, like a customer support. If you think about all of that, when you're building the product, your product is going to be better. So if if this is uh, uh, the way you you think on a very small task as well as a very big one, you're in a good place. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. So as we're coming towards the closing arc of our time together, unfortunately, Benny, I've got some nice warm questions for you. Is there any any tips around your journey and anything that you've noticed that's helped you along your journey? Any books or? I, I think that I mentioned that before when we talked about I think books are only books. And I think that I was in a, in a meetup yesterday and uh, someone said, we want to implement OKRs by the book. And they went all the way doing every single thing that was written in the book and they failed miserably. And one of their, their conclusion was, yeah, the book is great for the person that wrote the book. We should be inspired from the book, but we should use it in a way that fits our needs, our culture and so on. So... I think that I, I read a lot of books and I heard a lot of podcasts and so on and, and posts. And eventually, I think this is like collecting things that should sit in your back of mind together with, I think the most important thing is common sense. And the books, the theories and so on are things that provide you kind of paradigms on how you should approach things and how you should analyze things. But it's not like these are the steps that you must do. And if you're not going to do it, you're going to fail. And if you're going to do it, you're going to succeed. So I think the most significant one is ask, consult, hear, uh, be inspired and be educated by the experience of others. Take everything into together. Understand the environment that you're in, the people that you are working on, the problem that you are trying to solve and try to figure out the best solution for you. It's not necessarily going to be the best solution for anyone else, but this is like a key in order to be able to utilize the tons of wisdom that is out there, but adjust it to your need. Fantastic. Love it. Here you go. I'm going to offer you a wish. I'm going to pretend to be the tech genie for a second. I'm going to offer you a wish. What would you wish for, for your industry, for your leadership, for your space? So I, I used to work with uh, probably hundreds of uh, different uh, people across uh, my career. You see people that they just want to do the right thing. They don't care about politics. They don't care about whether it's good for me or bad for me. There is something that we need to do. Let's do it. Let's do the best way and move forward. So if there was like a, a genie that I can ask him, I would ask to work in a team that build only from people like that. Yes. It's really hard to find those. And when I find something, uh, someone like that and Inside WinWorld today, we have many like that. So this is like, uh, from my perspective, this is like an amazing, you know, I, I said it before, I'm saying it again now. The the, the people are, are the key in, in so many aspects. And today we have many people that are in this mindset. It's not about them. It's about how we can work together and do the right thing and move forward. So if there is a genie, make everyone like that. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That's great. <laughs> Thank you for that, Benny. And as a final key takeaway for our tech leader audience listening to this, 
What would you like to offer them as a parting gift? You don't need to know everything. I'm trying to be the dumbest people in the room. My assumption is that if I'm the smartest one in the room, I built a very bad team around me. Mm. I want to be able to learn from others. My assumption is that I don't know. Let, let's, let's learn. Let's ask. Let's understand. It's better to say I don't know versus to say some mumble of nonsense just to be able to avoid I don't know answer. Mm. I think I don't know is, is a sentence of a lot of strength and confidence. And uh, this is something that allows us to learn more. And if I'm not going to say that I don't know, uh, it means that I won't be able to learn this part. So don't be embarrassed to say, I don't know. It's, it's a strength. It's not a weakness. Absolutely. A great note to finish off. Lots of wisdom there. Thank you for that, Benny. It's been great having you on CTO Confession, sir. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.